Moment of Truth with Pastor Matt Shackelford is a ministry of Central Church in Collierville, Tennessee. Please visit us online at centralchurch.com. What does it take for guilty man to be made right with holy God? The Bible tells us all have sinned. We've all broken God's law and we all stand guilty. And God says that the wages of our sin is death. And you can't earn salvation. You can't bribe God with good works. So what do we do? This is the truth. There's only one way to be made right with God and it's a free gift. And the moment that you repent, the moment you place your faith that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins, God will make you right with Him. He will wash you. He will make you white as snow. So moment of truth today, what will you do with Jesus? So often, we fail to finish because we run away from those risky moments when we're called to stand boldly for Jesus. It happens when we get the chance to share our faith and we retreat from that uncomfortable conversation. It occurs when someone is ridiculing Jesus and we stay quiet, not wanting to bear the shame. In this sermon, Pastor Matt continues to talk about our security. You will see that when you know how secure you are, you'll take risks, endure shame, and finish your race strong. When you know you're secure in Christ, you'll know that it's always too soon to quit. Open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and prepare for your moment of truth. There's three types of knowledge in the Bible. There's a knowledge of. There's just a knowledge, a general knowledge about Jesus. That is, some people, some people know all about Jesus. They've come to uh, Christmas plays and they've come to Christmas events and churches. They know the story of Christianity. They've grown up in the church. They know all about the cross. They know all about the resurrection. They, They know. But then there's a second type of knowledge. That first one doesn't save. There's a second type of knowledge. It's mental assent. It's mental agreement. It's the knowledge that says, not only do I know about Jesus, I believe he's the only way to be saved. It's mental agreement. That doesn't save either. You you have to go to the third level. It's the level of, not only do I know about Jesus, not only do I, I give mental agreement that he's the only way of salvation, he's God's means of salvation, You have to end at faith, coming into a personal relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that you would would step in beyond the, the cultural Christianity that we have, just taking on the culture of Christianity, but it has to terminate in faith. There's so many people who have come up through my ministry and who have grown up in the church, and they've sort of taken on the culture of Christianity. They pray around the table. Right? They come to church on Sunday, 
but they're not truly born again. They, they don't truly know him in a personal way. They don't pray with him when they get up with him in the, Lord, in the morning. The most spiritual thing they do is come on a Sunday morning to church, but they don't know Jesus. And I can prove that. 17 years as a pastor, I can prove that over and over and over again. I'll never forget when I was shepherding down in Texas, a young man named Lance came to me, and I had just preached a sermon. I was fired up that night. You know how I get. I was fired up that night, and I was preaching my heart out. This young man had grown up in church his whole life. He walked the aisle as a boy at VBS, and he came to me that night. I think he was about a senior, junior, senior in high school, and he had tears streaming down his face, and he just came to me and said, Pastor Matt, it's not real. I'm lost. I'm lost. When I walked the aisle as a boy in vacation Bible school, it changed nothing. I don't have a relationship to the Lord Jesus. Pastor Matt, I've been pretending this whole time. I've just taken on the culture. I'm lost. I'm lost. It happens all the time. It happened again. I'll never forget. I was doing a retreat, and you know how you have leaders there. We have a retreat, a youth retreat, uh, this weekend. <laughs> and you bring leaders along to kind of help people with the gospel and, and bring them along and share the gospel. Well, I was at a retreat one time, and I was sharing the gospel in a setting sort of like this, big group, sharing the gospel. And afterwards, one of my leaders was hanging out. I could tell he sort of wanted to talk. And I said, hey, what's, what's going on, man? And he, I pulled him aside, and, and he just started weeping violently. It's not real. I've been in church my whole life. I've never been born again. I pray at dinner time and lunchtime, and that's it. There's no difference in my life. I'm lost. Same two words. I'm lost. Oh my goodness, it happened at seminary. <laughs> I'll never forget this one. I was at Dallas Seminary for crying out loud. And I just finished historical theology. Dr. Jeff Bingham was teaching the class. It was more of a sermon, actually. And I was walking out of the class just praising God, just raising my, I was just, it was incredible. It was an incredible sermon on salvation. And Jeff Bingham walks out of that class and I'm walking out and I'm walking to the coffee shop with a buddy of mine and we sit down in that coffee shop and he looks at me across the table and he has tears in his eyes and he says, Matt, I'm lost. I mean, this is a guy in seminary. He's about to go out and train other people and teach other people. But he's, it's, he says it's not real. But I want it to be. I want it to be. Some of you, if you're honest with yourself today, you'd say that about yourself. You're, you're here. But you'd say of yourself, it's not real. My parents just bring me. My family, this is just their church. I do not pray to God. I do not spend time hearing from him in his word. I do not know him. The word in the Greek here for to know, it's a word of deep knowledge, intimacy. 
It's a word of fully knowing. It's a powerful word in the Greek. It's a word to know with certainty. It's the perfect tense. It happened for Paul on the road to Damascus, and it's still happening for him. So I just want to ask you at this first point, do you have this? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, or are you pretending? Don't be that person at the end of time, and Jesus sits in front of you, and you stand there, and he says, I never knew you. Don't be that person. If you're lost, today you can be found. All you have to do is repent of your sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be born again. And if your first birth did not result in in life change, you need to repent of your first repentance. You need to be born again. And you need to repent of that first repentance because life change will happen when you get born again. And if you're saved right now, you need to feel the security of that birth, like Paul did. Point number two. Second, we need to look at the power of our security. Look at the power of our security in verse 12. He says, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced. Three little words. Do you see them? He is able. He's able. He's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The word able there is the word dunitas. It's, uh, preachers love that word because they link it to dynamite. Power, right? Power, that's the idea. Dunitas. He's able, he's powerful enough to keep my soul through shame, through difficulty. He guards us. Oh, this section's a treasure trove of Greek words. Uh, to guard here, it's the word, it's a word to garrison, to guard you. Just imagine that. He garrisons your life. It's an entrustment. It's banking language. Paul is essentially saying that he is so powerful that he protects you secure forever by God's power. So that ought to drive us to take risks. We're so secure that we can never lose our salvation. If you're saved, you can never lose that salvation. He will guard you and shepherd you forever. Isn't that a great thought? So when someone leaves the faith, that's where the confusion comes. People will say things like, well, he lost his salvation. Actually, what happens is they were never truly saved to begin with. In fact, let me give you a few verses to write down for your Bible study this week. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us. Why? Well, because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Why do people leave? Why do people go apostate? Because they were never truly born again. 1 Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is, listen to him, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our salvation is death-proof. Our salvation is sin-proof. Our salvation is time-proof. That's what that verse is saying. Write down John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I love the story of the the little old lady who came to her, her, her preacher and said, well, what if I slipped through his fingers? 
And the preacher said, well, actually, you are one of his fingers, right? We're the body of Christ. He's not going to forget his body. John 6, 37, write it down. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes, I will never cast out. Can we just say that beautiful word, never, together? Ready? Never. Will he ever cast you out? No, never. John 5, 24, write that one down. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. I love that word, eternal life. If it's eternal, it never ends. Romans 8, 38 and 39. We're just going to chomp through these verses. Isn't this great? Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Jude one twenty four to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. If you feel fear about your future, you need to stare at those verses. God will be faithful to you, not for a time, not for a moment, not for a measure, but forever. Amen? Amen? This life and the next. If we need security, we need to look at the person of our security. We need to look at the power behind our security. Lastly, we need to look at the period of our security. For how long does he give this promise? Verse 12 tells us, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day. Paul loves those two words, that day. He gives it in 2 Timothy 1.18. He gives it again in chapter 4 verse 8. He's always looking forward to the day of reward, to the day when he will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. He's referring to the return of Christ. He's referring to the rewards that will happen. Write down 1 Corinthians 1.8. He will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're safe forever. How does he do that? Well, I love Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, we're told that that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, and listen to this language, to seal us. It's only used twice in Scripture by the Apostle Paul. He uses it in Ephesians 4 and 2 Corinthians 1 that we're sealed by the Spirit. And some of you are saying, what does that mean? What does it mean to be sealed by the Spirit? Well, first of all, a seal was a mark of ownership. Someone sent me a couple of Christmas cards from the church, and they had some wax dripped on it, and they sealed it. That was really cool. In fact, my son was playing with one of them. We kept the seal. It was really cool, sealed wax. It's, it's the mark of authenticity. It's the mark of, of the owner. That's what they did back in the old day. If a baker baked something, in the bottom of the pan might be their signature or their seal, and so that that loaf of bread would have it baked right into it. It's the mark of ownership, but it also represents the maker's guarantee. Now, specific to Ephesians and to the Corinthians, what you may not know is that these two cities were logging cities. They had a massive uh, logging industry. 
And what would happen is, is they, would, they would bring logs and they would float them down through the Black Sea and down the rivers and into the cities. And they would have massive logs that would be brought in for building. And uh, that was what was going on in Ephesus. That was what was going on in Corinth. And, and, and back then, what would happen is you would send up your, your foreman to go and pick out logs. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. And you'd pick out your logs and they would float them down the river. Well, how do you know which ones are yours? Well, the foreman would actually take a chisel or a, an instrument of some sort and chisel the mark of the business and the owner into the log itself. He would chisel it in, a, an unmovable mark on the log, and then he would go back. They would float the logs down the river, and eventually the logs would be sorted out. They're already paid for. And they would guarantee that if it has your mark on it, it would make it back to you. That's the image. The seal was the guarantee that it would make it to its owner. And brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has bought us by the blood of his son. He purchased us and he sealed us with the Holy Spirit so that we will make it to our final destination, that God's Spirit, because He has sealed us, He will never forsake us. And even when we float into the wrong camp or we slow down on the journey or even when others try to capture us and stop us, God has put His seal on us and one day He will claim us and the devil will never claim us and the world will try to claim us, but we will always belong to Him and it will not be allowed for anyone else to claim us or stop us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have obtained security to our final destination, and so the people of God rejoice in that, and because of that, we can take some crazy risks. Now, I've got just a few applications, and we're done. Let's write these down. How do we apply these two verses to our life this week? First of all, I think that these verses motivate us to personal holiness. I see it in this text. It's everywhere. I think this passage reminds us who we belong to. It reminds us that we have been sealed and secured by our master. And if you're one of those logs that maybe somewhere around the journey, you've sort of gotten stuck on the side of the riverbank, and, or maybe you're stuck in the wrong camp, take heart, man of God. Take heart, woman of God. He will not abandon you. He will draw you to himself. He will not let you stay where you are. Listen, we want this to be a place where it's okay not to be okay, all right, right? We want this to be a place where you can come and you can find refuge, but it's not okay to stay that way. The Holy Spirit will draw you out of that sin. The Holy Spirit will draw you. He has sealed you. He has ownership of you, and he will bring you along. So take heart struggling brother or sister in Christ, God is committed to you. You will not always be where you are now, struggling with the same old sins. Maybe you're here today and you've just, you've just been captive to pornography. Maybe you've just been captive to fear of what people think about you. Maybe you've just been captive to a bitter heart. Take encouragement, brother and sister, Philippians 1.6 says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What God begins, God will finish. So fear not, man of God. Fear not, woman of God. He will change you. And maybe today you need to repent, and this sermon is part of him reaching out to get you unstuck. 
and praise God. Second thing, number two, I think this passage shows us such a safety net in Jesus Christ. This passage empowers us to make some crazy risks. Because you're so secure in Christ, you can risk everything for Christ. You can take mission trips. You can engage hard conversations with people that might be hostile. You can give a gospel tract to someone at the checkout line at Kroger. You can do anything. You can be safe as you reach out and make risks for Jesus Christ. Why? Because you are so secure. He has been your shepherd in days past, and he will be your shepherd throughout eternity. Amen. Third, I think this passage reminds us that there is hope beyond this life, that God will be faithful to you forever, that you're safe until that day. So if anyone's here doubting, that is not how God wants you to go through life. God wants you secure, and you'll be secure forever. There's a great story as we close about an older pastor, and he's, he's preparing to die. He's preparing to go on and be with the Lord. He's shepherded his church for 50 years, faithful man, godly man. Uh, he sort of got struck with dementia. And as he started pulling back and as he started to die, he's in a hospital bed. And the new pastor gets word that he's very troubled at the end of his life. So the new pastor of the church goes to that man. He sits by his bedside and, and the former pastor looks him in the eye and says, I, I'm so afraid. I'm so frightened to face what I have to face next, death. I have preached... I have preached the promises of God all my life. And because of this wicked, fallen disease, I can't remember a single one of those promises. The young pastor, he doesn't even, he doesn't even know what to do. So he prays for a second, and then he takes the older pastor by the hand and says, that's okay. God has not forgotten any of his promises to you. Not a single one. And the older man said, ah, yes, safe and sound. We trust that today's message has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. Jesus tells us that truth always demands a response. So he calls us to be doers of his word, not hearers only. So this is your moment of truth. How is God calling you to respond? If you would like to watch or listen to this message, please visit online at centralchurch.com. We'd also love to worship with you online. Join us at 9.30 or 11 a.m. every Sunday as we stream our services on Facebook or through our website. If you would like to donate to support this program and God's Word being sent out, please mail a gift or you can call us at 866-TRUTH TN and someone will be standing by to receive your credit card donation. We are located at 2005 Winchester Boulevard in Collierville, Tennessee. We can't wait to explore God's truths with you next week. Hi, Pastor Matt here with Moment of Truth. Well, as Memphis begins to reopen, our church is preparing to worship together on June the 7th. 
We're opening the doors to our building. We're following all the guidelines, trying to be very safe. And we'll have two worship times at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock on Sundays. You can check us out on the web at centralchurch.com. And if you're not ready to come back in person yet, you can still watch online. Just go to our website, centralchurch.com backslash live. You can watch us live every Sunday at 9 and 11. God bless. We hope to see you soon. Moment of Truth is sponsored by Central Church.